0: The Expats is brought to you by Canadian expats seeking out adventure all over the world. If you're an expat from a country we haven't yet featured on the show, send us an email at info at expatspodcast.ca. We'd love to interview you and share your story with the internet masses. We guarantee you'll enjoy a delightful conversation and we'll even mail you a limited edition expats postcard with a special message signed by yours truly to thank you for your time. You can also get one of those postcards, you know, just for laughs, even if you aren't a guest of the show. Send us your mailing address and you'll get something delightful to stick on your fridge and share on social media. It's our way of saying thanks for listening. So thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Paris, France, the city of light, home of the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, the Arc de Triomphe, and just about the most delicious food you can get anywhere on the planet. Paris is an ancient city. Founded in the 3rd century by a group of Celtics known as the Parisi, it's influenced nearly every category in history, from culture, art and fashion, to science and technology. France obviously looms large in Canadian history as well. France gave us Jacques Cartier, Samuel de Champlain, and the basis of French Canadian culture in Quebec. Canada and France enjoy strong and close relations in spite of some discord over the status of Quebec over the years. And there's no question that French culture is a part of Canadian life across the country, not just in the East. Join me this episode as we find out the influence of French culture on a Canadian couple who left behind their life in Canada to pursue new careers abroad on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. For many people, Paris equals romance. And I'll tell you right now that in this episode, we talk a lot about kissing. But before we go there, let's take it from the top. Lillian Small and her husband have lived in a couple of places in Canada, including Edmonton and Toronto. But that all changed when her husband received an offer from work that they couldn't refuse.
1: So uh, what brought me to Paris was actually my husband's uh, job, his career. So uh, when I was in Canada, I um, was working as an engineer. And uh, so I quit my career to follow him. And who wouldn't want to come to Paris, (laughs) (laughs) of course? And so that was the main reason. Um, And basically, we embarked on a potentially... Career-long uh, life of expat living, so we know that Paris won't be forever, and uh, we'll move on to the next posting um, sometime soon. Don't know when.
0: Yeah. But. So, when this opportunity is presented to your husband, was it a difficult decision to to make to, to leave Canada?
1: No, I don't. No, it wasn't, and. It's because ever since he started with this company, we knew that it was in the cards and this is what he had wanted to do. And I was totally on board from the very beginning. Um, It just made it a little bit difficult because the timing of this move came at a point in my career where I was actually quite happy and doing well. Um, And so for that reason, I stayed back uh, six months just to um, get a little bit more experience under my belt and, you know, for financial reasons, just stay behind. But um, in the end, it, it wasn't difficult. I thought, you know, what a once in a lifetime opportunity and exciting, you know, thing to to do. And we always know at the end of the day, we can always go back to Canada. If things don't work out, if we, if he, you know, wants to change career or if I want to do something back home in Canada with my career, then you know, there's always home, but there might never be Paris or another country in, in the future. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, your move was was made, I guess, slightly more complicated uh, by the fact that you had to bring along a third party. Your, your cat yes. came with you.
1: <laughs> yes, you're talking about my cat? Yeah. Yes, yes, sorry, you cut out there. Um, yeah, I did, and it wasn't so difficult. Um, we just, you know, found out all we had to do with the paperwork and vet- veterinary checkups, and uh, she came along, so we actually adopted her when we lived in Edmonton. And uh, she made that cross Atlantic trip. <laughs> she actually went with my husband because uh, we were on separate flights because we um, came over on different uh, different times. And uh, no, she behaved really well, and it was a big difference I think from her for her because she was in a you know a large ho- home, quiet neighborhood had the place all to herself most of the time. And now it's a small apartment, quite noisy. She does get a little frazzled, but uh, no, she's a, yeah, she's a great companion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. So let's talk about those, those difference, those lifestyle differences, I guess, because as you mentioned, uh, used to living maybe in, in, with more space in a house that belongs to you, but now you're in this Mm -hmm. apartment. So what, what kind of adjustment was that for the two of you?
1: Um, it was a positive and a good adjustment because when you have a house, it's incredible how much stuff you just start accumulating that you don't even realize. So, of course, this first step was going through the exercise of, you know, selling or just throwing out things from our home that, you know, we didn't think we would need um, and, and pack up the container. So we did bring all our furniture and, you know, valuable items with us so we could furnish our apartment here. And that was the sort of a bit anxiety-filled because we didn't know what apartment sizes were like. We didn't know if our big, oversized Canadian furniture would, you know, fit through the through the doors and through the windows. But um, it all worked out, and it's a bit tight. So, yeah, it's smaller spaces, but it's something that we've really adapted to, and, and now I can't imagine going back to a bigger home, um, which is, yeah, funny and ironic. But, um, no, that's been pretty good, and as far as living in a city, a lot more people, a lot more Congestion and smaller spaces, smaller sidewalks. I remember, you know, the first time going out onto the street with my big umbrella that I got, um, and it, it spanned the whole sidewalk. <laughs> the whole sidewalk. I just felt and looked ridiculous. But you know, back home, you wouldn't even bat an eye. So uh, the adjustments overall have been pretty good. Saw a lot of funny situations and. Uh, no, not that much different. I don't know. We've just sort of been taking it as it comes. <laughs> I bet.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned walking down the street with an enormous umbrella. I mean, are the French? Uh, I mean, you've been there for a couple of years too, but mm-hmm. at, at least at first, were the French like, "Who the hell are these people? What are these, <laughs> like, what's going on here? Like, did were you were you warmly received, or you were you met with like the stink eye?
1: Right. So overall, um, I remember my very first impressions were that, hey, people are actually nice. They're not as mean as, you know, the stereotypes would say. Um, and, but at the end of the day, it's a big city. So you'll always get people who are just head down on their way to work, you know, not um, offering help. But uh, overall, I've found that people are generally quite warm and welcoming. Um, You know, I see it all the time. There'll be, you know, women with their strollers at the top of the metro stairs and someone just comes by and gives a helping hand without even saying a word. You know, or um, just people being patient and, you know, with me trying to speak and ask for things at the grocery store, for example, or at a market. And I haven't met too many people that were, you know, very mean and, and condescending. I mean, of course, there are those situations. But overall, my general impression was... No, actually, you know, these people, you know, they're nice. They're not any different than, I don't think, anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about, uh, I mean, the language barrier such as it is? I mean, you grew up in Canada. I have to assume you were exposed at least a little bit to French. Uh, How (laughs) is the, uh, how's the learning of the French going for you guys?
1: Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, having even that little bit of exposure, you know, growing up, you know, having to learn it in school, certainly helped, you know, already put me a, a foot ahead just because, you know, the, some, the verb tenses and some vocabulary is very, you know, familiar to me already. But that being said, what we learn in school in Canada, it just did not prepare me at all. I still couldn't speak when I first got here and was really struggled and felt really self conscious about it. Um, that being said, I put my head down and just focused on studying when I first moved here um, and for a good Three or four semesters is just doing it um, every day, going to class and studying. And so it's amazing. People around me have said that my French has improved drastically. And I I know it has. Of course, I still think, oh, it could be better. And I wish I didn't have this accent or I wish I could, you know, string these words together better. But in general, um, it's come along really well. And, um, you know, I can't complain. And because of that and because I focus so hard, you know, now I coach... Um, a gym class, CrossFit lessons in French, and I can do translation work, uh, French to English. So it's, it's quite amazing how far it's progressed. Yeah, it's, it sounds yeah.
0: like uh, you're kind of a pro now.
1: <laughs> Not quite there, but, you know, and that being said, I find that Paris, perhaps of all the places in France, probably has the most English speakers. So it's quite easy to live here and, you know, barely speak. And a lot of French people, you know, are eager to practice their English, so they'll speak English to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's always easy to fall back into that comfort level. But I've just learned uh, just to power through. And if they start speaking English to me, I'll just keep speaking French, and then we're in this conversation <laughs> where we're both not speaking our native languages. But I mean, it's the only it's the only way to learn and to keep at it.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I I've heard that <laughs> that in fact. Quite often, French people when when you do speak to them in French with a non French accent, will revert to English. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I would find it really difficult to to maintain my French speaking if if they were if they were talking to me in English. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's very uncomfortable. But uh, you know, I guess I just motivated and with that determination to to speak and to practice. Otherwise, you know, so many people do that. You'd never learn. And I do know some friends, some expats here who. Uh, you know, they've been here longer than me and they say, wow, like you can speak better and, you know, I should know better than this. And, but, you know, like I said, it's just easy to get by without it. Yeah. I, that being said, in a smaller, obviously smaller city elsewhere in France, um, that wouldn't be the case. But Paris is a quite special place on that level and a whole lot of other levels.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how has the, uh, how has the adjustment been for you to go from you know, having a career job to, to moving to this place. And I I know that you do like you do the, the CrossFit classes and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. you're, you don't have a a typical full-time job, I guess. Was that a difficult adjustment for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, at first, um, I just thought, hey, vacation, you know, let me, uh, let me enjoy this. And I really did. And, uh, so, you know, luckily, I was able to meet a lot of other expat friends right off the bat, um, a lot of other women who were in the same position as I was, you know, they were here with their husbands, and they didn't have full-time jobs. So, you know, we took advantage, visit, visiting the city, going for walks, going to museums, and just, you know, taking all taking it all in. Um, but then there comes a point where, you know, people start asking, oh, what are you doing here? And, you know, where do you work? And... You know that's where I start mumbling and don't know how to answer very clearly because it, you know, it's a bit difficult. How do you explain what you do with the the, with your whole day? I mean, that being said, things just feel like they take much longer to do here. You know, something as simple as groceries. You know, I don't have a car, so I can't just drive and do a week's worth of groceries. You know, I'll go three four times a week, and each time it's forty five. You know, an hour, Mm -hmm. and uh, so little things like that take time, like doing your errands that. I don't know how I don't know how I did it back home where I was working full time and did all the extracurriculars that I loved. But, you know, that being said, um the adjustment has been a bit difficult, just in fact just with me thinking, okay, well what am I going to do with my future? What am I doing with my life? Like, you know, I'm enjoying it, but at the end of the day I would like to contribute to, you know, in some way and have, you know, something that I can be proud of and you know, share with people. So, um, I finally, the past two, three years that I've been here in Paris have been quite exploratory and I've tried a lot of different things, because um, I knew, I didn't think I'd ever go back to engineering per se, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I did things like teaching, uh, you know, coaching at the gym, um, yeah, just a variety of different things to see, okay, you know, what, what, are, what do I like, what do I don't like, what can I see myself doing in the future? Um, unfortunately, the struggle is because we know we'll be moving every three to four years. You know, I'm currently searching for a career or something um, that is transportable. So, um, yeah, this whole trailing spouse thing is a little new to me still. And it's a work in progress for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, ta- you talked about, you know, visiting the uh, the grocery store um, several times a week, and that being a big difference uh, between the way you did it back home in Canada. What are some of the other big, um, I don't know, I don't want to say cultural differences, because quite often it's just the little things, but what are some of the other things that you've had to sort of readjust in your life, living in a city like Paris?
1: I would say, well, in terms of cultural differences, um, the biggest one that comes out to mind is the whole, you know, kissing on the cheek thing. Oh, yeah. And... You know, growing up, uh, my parents are Portuguese, so that was a very common thing to do, um, anyway. So I I grew up sort of familiar with, you know, the kisses on the cheek. But here, I found it difficult to adjust to because, in you know, you know, a setting like, for example, I go to you know work at the gym, and you know, I uh, the expectation was I would greet all the coaches uh, and say hello to them individually. For example. Even if they're in the middle of a class. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to interrupt this. This is weird to like, you know, go out of my way to go kiss someone on the cheek to say hello and then never speak to them really for the next hour or two because either I don't see them or they're doing their own thing, I'm doing my own thing. So that's been a bit of an adjustment, sort of trying not to be perceived like I'm rude Yeah. because I don't want to be, but it's just uncomfortable sometimes to okay, go around the room now and kiss 10 people to say hello. And and same thing at parties. And, you know, with a lot of our French friends, you know, that's the expectation we have to do it, but it's always something that me and my husband are like, okay, going to go in okay let's just kiss everyone otherwise they might think we're rude that we don't know the norms we've been here long enough that we should and and then the same thing when you say goodbye yeah it's like you start seeing everyone go around kissing each other to say goodbye and it's like okay another round um but yeah so that that's just sort of been sort of one of those fun things to
0: it's a get used to it's like a level of of well uh, at least for me i mean uh, so my background my mom's actually from france but i've never been Mm -hmm. and uh I'm so I'm used to that with family but like as you're telling this to me like it just for me it's a level of intimacy for I think for Canadians that we're just maybe not so comfortable with like I'm okay you know with people I I know really well giving them a hug and saying hello but I don't know for me kissing is is uh you know it's it's a whole other (laughs) level
1: yeah, it's really close. And then, of course, when you're not used to doing it, like, you know, I am, you know, sometimes you miscalculate space and distance, <laughs> and I'll just jam cheekbones with someone else or, you know, stop short and and trip over because I just can't calculate it, right? And I mean, one time, and people kiss differently. One time, you know, I got wet, sloppy lips right on the cheek from another girl. It's not like there was a guy who was trying to <laughs> pull a move. But it's just sort of things like that catch you by surprise because, yeah, you're just not used to it. You haven't been exposed to it. Yeah, But it is a nice tradition and it is something that, um, you know, I guess you get used to even if once in a while you do still make faux pas. But uh, I noticed that a big difference when I went back to Canada over the holidays this year, yeah, it was all about the hugs. And, yeah, I, I realized, oh, how much I miss hugging someone, you know, hugging a good friend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that formality of saying hello to people, even walking into a store, um, which they do here. I mean, you want when you walk into a store any location, a doctor's office, you say hello to everyone. You, you won't go and kiss them, but you say hello yeah. and acknowledge their presence. Um, but – and so when I was back in Canada, I thought, oh, you know, people don't do that and – it would be nice if people did that just to say hello and, and smile yeah, to for strangers sure. pretty much. But, uh, yeah,
0: I, I don't want to dwell on the, uh, on the kissing thing, but, but <laughs> is there a, is there a specific like, uh, uh, technique, I guess, like, do you go in on the person's right and do you do it twice or three times? Like what's, what's the right. general rule?
1: So um, apparently it varies all across France, um, in pa- and, but I've only, you know, really done it in Paris here, and generally it's you go to the right, so you touch each other's right cheeks first, okay. and you just do it twice. I mean, I can't even imagine going somewhere else where they expect three or four or start on an opposite side. And I know (laughs) a lot of YouTube videos that I've watched and articles that I've read that, yes, that does happen. (laughs) And that's a whole other level.
0: (laughs) Wow. Now, I mean, I'd be remiss if if we didn't talk a little bit about uh, food and drink in France, because Mm -hmm. you're in a place in the world that is like amazing for this kind of thing. So so, uh, have you, have you been learning new cooking techniques? Do you guys eat out a lot or are you, are you cooking for yourselves a lot of the time?
1: So, um, yeah, the food here is incredible and even the simplest things like a piece of plain chicken breast or an egg or, you know, a pepper just somehow just so, tastes different and much more like what it should taste. Um, especially since before moving here, we're in Edmonton and I'm sure, you know, it's hard to get a lot of fresh things over the winter time, Yeah, but, um, In terms of cooking, um, I've taken uh, cooking classes and courses since moving here because that really interests me and I love cooking and being in the kitchen. Um, And I have a few French cookbooks that I frequently use. So um, I love doing that and I love the fact that living here has exposed me to new foods and things that I never liked before and now I do. So for example, oysters. I would try them once in a while. they never my thing. Now we see them everywhere. We have them special occasions, and they're amazing. Like oysters you know, on the half oysters. shell? Yeah, oh, like raw.
0: Oh, my favorite. I love them so much. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know. I can't imagine that I love them now, but I do, because <laughs> before I'd be like, oh, no, it's not for me. And things like blue cheese, too. I mean, the cheeses here are incredible. We are really spoiled. And, uh, you know, I never liked blue cheese, and now, you know, I'll eat it up. <laughs> so, um yeah, that has been uh, one of the many benefits of living here is just having good access to, you know, such amazing food and being inspired too by different dishes and to try to recreate at home. And then going back to your question, we don't go out that often It may be once every two weeks. Um, usually it's with friends or if it's a special occasion, um, but it's mainly because I love, I love cooking and cooking. Yeah. And so I do it at home, yeah.
0: My assumption would also be that it's quite expensive to go out in a city like Paris.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, of course there's a, a wide variety of of quality and price. Um, that being said, because taxes and tip are included in meals here, mm-hmm. and you know, for a really decent meal at a, you know, mid-range good restaurant, you're maybe spending 30-40 euros and that would be including a main um, sorry, an, an entree, a main, and dessert. And uh, and then that's it, you know, it's just your 40 euros. So, you know, for a nice meal and uh, a nice night out, I don't think that's too expensive. But um, I know when we went back home and we'd go out to eat, we thought, oh, actually it isn't that expensive compared uh, in Paris compared to, you know, here in Toronto, which is where I was staying. So, I mean, I guess it depends. Like anything, you just need to search... For the decent res- restaurants at a good price. That being said, there's many really haute cuisine restaurants that are super super expensive, <laughs> and you know maybe you'll go there once in a, a lifetime or maybe once a year. Who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's not it's not too too expensive. But I think because I've lived here already three years, I have noticed that I've come acclimatized to. You know the sticker prices. When we first got here, it was shocking. Like, oh my gosh, it is so expensive. Mm-hmm. And now well, it's it's life. You just have to accept it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> what are some of the things that uh, you and your husband have found you you miss about Canada that maybe you you don't really have in France?
1: I think what we miss the most, or what we get most frustrated about, is the ease of doing things. Like, if you want to sign up for internet, or you know, solve. Uh, a problem, something broke in your house. Uh, Just back home, it just seemed like the quality and level of service, people were working hard to please customers. And in general, I find that that doesn't necessarily happen here. And I, I mean, it could be a general European thing or mostly European thing, or I don't know what it is, but there's just something where they don't, there's a lot of times where we come across agents or service people that that's their job, but they don't care to make the customer happy. So you're constantly <laughs> battling and trying to fight for something that back home, you know, I don't know, they'd almost be too nice about it and too, like, giving. I don't know, it's hard to explain, I guess. I'm not doing such No, a no. Job,
0: I think I, I think um, I totally understand what you mean. I mean. Yeah.
1: No, I was going to say, so it, it's just that, yeah, level of service and attentiveness and that want to, or that need for that person who's doing their job and doing their job well to, you know, have a, a satisfied customer. Um, and that's what something we miss from Canada, for sure.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> you've said that you're sort of on a timeline of, say, between two and four years of, of moving on to a new place, so where, do you have any idea where you'll go next, or do you have a desire to go to a particular place next?
1: Uh, We have no idea where we'll go next. That will entirely be up to his company. Uh, We, you know, have or he has submitted some preferences or places at least that we definitely don't want (laughs) to (laughs) go. Because uh, it's it's a multinational, huge company. So, I mean, any country is a possibility.
0: Wow.
1: So um, our preference, I mean, I'd love to be somewhere near the beach in a hot country. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, I'm, we, we can't complain, so we're happy to go. We're still pretty young, uh, don't have a family yet, so we're quite flexible. And um, as much as I love Paris, I and mean, I always think, oh, it'd be so nice to maybe make it work, to live here longer. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to come back in the future, but at the same time excited to see what other challenges there are. I mean, that's the life we signed up for was this expat life.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, please give the expats a rating and review on both the iTunes Store and Stitcher Radio. Those ratings and reviews help the show move up the charts. They make the expats more discoverable, more visible, and ultimately will help make the show more successful. Thank you so much for listening. Au revoir.